Real Presence Live. That which is beautiful will manifest itself in truth and in goodness. Local. The challenges that we're facing in our generation, we just need the gospel. I mean, every every culture, every generation just needs to know how the gospel applies. Engaging. We don't bring any life at all to the church. The church is, is the life. It gives us the life. Live. The reality is, He is all things beautiful, capital B. And so anything that is authentically beautiful draws us, even if we don't realize it, to God. And good morning. This is Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Glad to be here with this morning. Steve Smolenskowski along with Tom O'Keefe. And uh, we are here again with you this morning for the next two hours talking about things of faith. But before we get started, Tom, let's, uh, let's start with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning grateful. Grateful for this beautiful fall day that you have provided for us. Let us rejoice and be glad in this day. And grateful for Real Presence Radio and the apostle that it is spreading the gospel across to its listening audience. Grateful also for the cast that we have in, in Real Presence Live this morning and the fruits that they bring uh, to the table. Uh, let us uh, be thankful for uh, Blessed Carlo Acutis, as we're going to talk about him this morning, and ask his intercession uh, over, over this, this apostolate, and join us in the glory be as we say. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Tom. So how's your morning starting out? Very good. Like I said, it's a beautiful fall morning. Favorite time of the year. Yeah, yeah. I know where you were at this weekend because I was there too. Yep. We were at the uh, Deacon <laughs> weekend, formation weekend. Yeah. Hopefully I'm a little more formed. Yeah, it was a great weekend. I think many of the conversations really talking about uh, really the Eucharist. Um, kind of the one thing the Lord is doing, I think, are, are some, of the, some of the themes that came out for me were really that uh, all throughout history, the history of man, the Lord has been chasing uh, our souls chasing us to be in relationship with him. And it's just, uh, even going back, we were doing some, some study of uh, the early, uh, early Greeks, uh, this is Socrates and his apology. And uh, it was just kind of like, even, even in non-Christian cultures, the Lord is still seeking a relationship um, with his people. Yeah, very much challenging us as, as men of a, in a secular world now to go deeper into conversation, deeper into discussion. And I think that's kind of what Real Presence Radio does, allows us to, to dive deep into these these subjects instead of the the superficial level that the the social media and stuff likes us to live at right yeah yeah just at the just kind of skimming the top but we're going to delve deep we're going to dive right in um into the deep relationship with the lord and so this morning we have uh, father william slattery with us good morning good morning steve how are you doing today i'm doing great what'd you do this weekend Oh, this other weekend. than say mass, of yeah, course. I had mass, uh, <laughs> uh, and then uh, teaching in the high school, I, I kind of tend to spend some of the weekend doing uh, grading, prep work, all that stuff. So it was a it was a full weekend. Yeah, good, good. Yeah. Well, thank you for your work, and also with us, Jack Holdis. Good morning, Jack. Hi, good morning. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, yeah, so I'm a senior at Shanley High School with. Father Slattery. I don't have any classes with him. So he's also a senior. Oh, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, I've been going to JP2 schools my whole life, um, and it's just a real gift to be able to learn about my faith in school and really have that be an integral part of my life. Thanks, Jack, for being here this morning. And, and Father, your, your position at Shanley is? I'm the chaplain. And okay. so, yeah, I, I oversee the kind of spiritual formation of the teachers and the students. Um, I help to kind of form the, the curriculum in our, our religion and faculty, and then... Uh, oversee kind of the spiritual life of 
retreats, both at the high school and middle school. So, folks, this weekend we've got the Eucharistic Conference here in town, and Jack is going to be there. He's going to give a presentation for us. And there's a reason why we're going to have him do that, but we're going to give you a little taste uh, this morning, uh, prepare, preparation for that. So tell us the story, because you guys went to Rome, and you had got to have a special audience, as it were, uh, with a person there. Tell us a little bit about that, that back, back story there. Yeah, so uh, part of the um, – one of the opportunities that some of our – incoming seniors uh, so after they finish their junior year have is to participate in the university of mary rome pilgrimage and so high school students um at the catholic schools in the state of north dakota are sent on this trip and so jack and i uh along with another 119 uh yeah, something others like, something like yeah, that a gr- large group we all went uh, to rome uh for two weeks and so um w- with that experience it's meant to again enliven the sense of the life of faith in the students and give them a view of the church, the universality of the church, uh, and this kind of deep sense of immersion in the history and depth of their faith. And uh, and part of that was is always a, a trip to Assisi, which uh, is what I like uh, most about the trip. I don't. What was your thoughts on Assisi, Jack? It was really just not what I was expecting at all. I mean, you know. It's still got that like um, that old sort of medieval feeling to it, and it's just a really beautiful city, especially at night. Like you see all the stars, and like um, just like walking around the city, it's it's just I don't even know how to explain it. It's just so beautiful. Yeah, and so we go from the busyness and the hustle and bustle of Rome, and it's really really hot, mm-hmm. uh, and then you get these like three days in this. Again, the city of peace, Assisi is uh, the city of St. Francis, St. Clair, and then we learn about them, stay there, and then uh, on that trip was then uh, kind of the surprise for us um, was um, that uh, Blessed Carlo Acutis uh, is be is placed there. Um, and so we had been kind of talking about him in the school the last couple of years as he uh, was uh, recently uh, beatified in 2020, and, uh, and then to kind of have him there and our students were able to go uh, through uh, to make a little visit uh, in that pilgrimage. Um, Assisi was a place that Carlo loved, uh, and it was a town especially that he was drawn to kind of spiritually, um, and that's kind of where he is currently um, as, as they're praying for the kind of further proof of his holiness um, and, and prepare for canonization. So uh, tell us a little bit about Blessed Carlo Acutis there, uh, Jack. Um, well, I mean... Obviously, he had that, uh, that, that, uh, he was a computer programmer, which is impressive, impressive in and of itself, uh, being a 15 year old and having just a knack for com- computer programming. He programmed the Eucharistic, uh, Miracle website, um, and he loved video games, which is, um, pretty cool because I do too. I mean, I, I play video games, I'm a teenager, and, um, and he died of leukemia, I'm sure is common knowledge. He, uh, which is um, like a very tough thing to go through for not only him, but also his family and um, to witness that suffering. And he was also um, like his, his unique love for the faith. He, um, he offered his suffering up for Christ and for the church and for the Pope at that time, which is uh, really impressive that he was able to do that at such a young age and just have a unique love for the faith and the church and, and Christ. I was uh doing a little bit of research on Carlos this morning myself, and I found out that he really had a different, a unique impact on his own family. Yeah, I, I noticed that too. It was, it was strange because his, his mom, she actually like, she said she never really like practiced the faith. She only received her communion at her 
first communion and like at other sacraments and stuff. And like, and then when Carlo was growing up, he just had this, it was almost as if Christ impacted him from birth because he just had a unique love for the Eucharist and for Christ and really impacted everybody around him. Yeah, it's a, a great opportunity to, and I, I love how he's a very modern saint, as it were, right? Yeah. A, a computer programmer and someone who loves love videos. Um, I guess those who play video games can still go to heaven. Darn yeah. it, my kids, I hope they're not listening right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, I think, like, I mean, that's the kind of beauty of Carlo is that he was in some ways really normal, um, but then there was that extraordinary quality to that. I mean, there's a relatability that's there immediately um, with him, but then... Like as again, his mother kind of reflects on his life of just that kind of innate kind of like way he lived the gospel of especially defending those who were kind of being picked on, uh, the way he kind of provided for the homeless and worked especially to, on, again in hidden ways. Mm-hmm. Um, like this was, you know, it's very relatable. Uh, at the same time, though, it's heroic, and that's kind of what I think he's becoming such a kind of a flashpoint of like people being drawn to see kind of the work of holiness, not only his own family, but then recognized um, by the, the church throughout the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They talked about him being what uh, the, the, his attraction of being, being a saint in jeans and sneakers. Yeah. And that's how he's buried. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. You, you see him and he's got like, I don't want to say like a letterman, leather, letterman's jacket, but it's, it's like a, just like a casual jacket. And he's wearing casual clothes and it's sort of unique to see um, a venerated blessed person um in in that state and just in casual clothes it's just um i don't even know what like a word to describe it just it it's relatable yeah yeah, yeah. you know they uh, i've heard it said in the past that we just need we need more saints in this world and uh and, and in this, this difficult time they're at you know we just had recently had the opening for uh beatification or search for michelle dupong and and and, the, and this young man and tell me about what the impact of these these modern day saints can have in, in in our lives um it's just it really shows me that it that it is possible you don't have to be some dude from 500 years ago who was was living um like a desolate lifestyle hundreds of miles away from society just completely just shut off from everybody else and uh living a life completely devoted to christ you can do that while being active in the community and being sort of like a normal person and really just being an active member of society, but also contributing to the faith. You know, I think it's a, it's a great point that you bring out, that he's a, a saint in, in blue jeans and sneakers, right? Because we have this sense, as you mentioned there, Jack, that, that the, saint, the saints are kind of different than the rest of us, and that they're not just normal people, but really what are the saints? They're regular people doing things in an extraordinary way, right? Ordinary people doing things in an extraordinary way. Um, and in, over the last couple of weeks, I have a number of conversations with people who say, you know, where were, where were all this, you know, during this time of COVID, where were all the, where were all the saints and all the heroes that are going to step forward? Where are the people who's going to reach the people outside the church? And I had to stop and say, where were you? Where were you? Are you looking for somebody else to be the saint? What about you and me? We're the saints. We're called to be those saints. We're called to be the heroes, the ones who are virtuous. Rather than looking outside, we have to look into ourselves and say, I need to be called to this virtue. Yeah, and I think, uh, I mean, one of the parts of, like, an understanding of who a saint is as well is the idea of, again, the one who is blessed. Again, so going from the Beatitudes, the one who finds their happiness and their fulfillment in God, and that can be done in everyday ordinary circumstances. And it isn't some, like, kind of elite 
mentality, but like that's again, uh, Thomas Aquinas, when he talks about the moral life, he begins there. The life of grace is instilled in us through baptism, and then we're united to try in God, and we're called to a life of beatitude, of blessedness, of happiness. And that's where I think like figures like Carlo Gudis are, are great examples of that, of like, you know, do you need special education? No. <laughs> you don't need a special degree. You don't have to have some task or authority given to you. Uh, but it's a call of, again, how do you be happy in this life? And the primary way we're happy is through, again, our service to the Lord. And we see that in small actions that unflows in his life because that's who was drawn to him. They saw how he was happy. His mother, his family, those friends who were around him, they were drawn by the beatitude of his life, the happiness of his life. Folks, you're just joining us. This is Real Presence Live. We're visiting Father William Slattery and Father, or sorry, Jack Holdis. Uh-oh, I don't know. <laughs> that might have been the Holy Spirit there. Uh, but uh, we're uh, talking about Blessed Carlo Acutis. And what's been surprising uh, to me is early on, I sent out an email to all the priests across the diocese saying, what do you all know about Blessed Carlo Acutis? The majority of them, I think it was 90%, said never heard of him. Never heard of him. But the younger priests in the diocese said, oh, our, our youth love them. Our youth love Blessed Carlo Acutis. And so this is actually new. As sometimes we have the assumption that everybody knows about him. Not yet. Yep. He's still pretty new, pretty young in the church. And so uh, that's why we're having this conversation today. And again, folks, if you're coming to the Eucharistic Conference this weekend, we will have a relic there of Blessed Carlo Acutis. And we're also going to have a number of our young adults from Shanley there. Um, they're going to be there willing to explain to you uh, more about Blessed Carlo Acutis. We're going to call them relics, or sorry, the uh, uh, guardians of the relics. They'll be there this weekend. And Jack is going to present um, for about 10 minutes on Blessed Carlo Acutis at the Eucharistic Congress, Congress Conference this weekend here in Fargo at the Delta. There might still be space. I think we're really close to maxing out. There was 1,000 spaces open, and we're over 900 um, so, but uh, check out on the diocese, and you can check with uh, Jenny Corsmo if you still want to register for that. Uh, we, of course, we can probably try to squeeze a few more people in. Um, but uh, join us this weekend for the Eucharistic Conference. This is Real Presence Live. We're going to step away for a little break, but on the other side of the break, we're going to talk a little more about Blessed Carlo Acutis and also the connection to Assisi, St. Francis at Assisi. What a great connection, a very humble man. Um, who really wanted to serve the Lord in little ways, also didn't have a great degree um, and, and a great knowledge, but he really wanted to humbly serve the Lord and help him rebuild his church. So we'll continue that conversation on the other side of the break. This is Real Presence Life. Don't go anywhere. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. I'm Carrie Dew, Executive Director of Riverview Place. I've worked my entire career in healthcare as a social worker in the hospital, skilled nursing, and hospice settings. I love my job. Not only do I get to work with a caring, dedicated team that displays human kindness to every resident, it's a privilege to offer seniors a lifestyle that reminds me of what it felt like to grow up in the small rural town of Buffalo, North Dakota. To join our faith-based community, call us today for a tour at 701-412-1952. Have you ever wondered if your family's past struggles have affected you personally? I'm Father Chris Alar. You and your ancestors are all part of the body of Christ, so you should desire healing for them for the consequence of their past sins. Evidence suggests that these consequences can even be passed down through generations. 
Well, God does not hold you personally responsible for the sins of your ancestors. He does allow the effect of their deeds to reverberate from one generation to the next. The sins or sanctity of your family members may impact you. So learn how to break free from any sinful bonds in your life. There is hope. Please visit suicideandhope.com so I can personally pray for anyone you've lost. And to get our book, After Suicide, There's Hope for Them and You, which helps with any kind of suffering or loss, not just suicide. I promise it will help. Do you know a priest who has made a difference in your life or at your parish? One who has helped you through a loss, discern an important decision, or celebrated the sacraments with you and your family? Real Presence Radio would like to know about these amazing priests. Visit our website at realpresenceradio.com slash contact to nominate your priest. And each week on Real Presence Live, we will recognize one of our priests with a dozen donuts generously donated by a local business. Help us honor our fathers by nominating your priest today. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. And this is Real Presence Live. Steve Sponskowski here along with Tom O'Keefe. And we're having a great conversation this morning about Blessed Carlo Acutis. If you're just joining us, we're in the studio with Father uh, William Slattery and Father Jack Holdis. I'm like trying not to call you Father again, Jack. Uh, Father William Holt Slat. Oh, gosh, Father William Slattery and and Jack Holdis, and we're talking about uh, the Eucharistic miracles. Now, you guys uh, recently were in Rome on a pilgrimage, and Jack, tell us and just kind of zoom out here a little bit. Tell us a little bit more about that pilgrimage in Rome. Um, yeah, so basically, they just got a, a bunch of us. Uh, they called the Rising Seniors trip, but uh, unfortunately, last year's seniors they couldn't go because of the the uh, pandemic so they had uh, the graduating class of 22 and then my class as well and they brought us all to Rome we saw um, of of course St. Peter's Basilica we got to see the Pope Uh, we got to hear Mass from the Pope which is one of the highlights Um, all sorts of relics of um, like remains of saints um, pieces of the cross Um, we actually got to see the finger of Doubting Thomas which was pretty incredible Um, and we saw a Eucharistic miracle when, uh, was it Orvieto? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was just just really beautiful, all sorts of sights to see, and really just enlightening to see everything there. Tommy, you had mentioned some experience you had in Orvieto. Oh, yes. Uh, that was the first time I'd been exposed to a Eucharistic miracle. And, and I was talking about, you know, you get the sense of the permanence of the church and the beauty of the art, and you, you, can, you can see these things that... That people you you might doubt and, and and they've been in the church forever the, the the mysteries of the of the rosary painted throughout these churches and and then that that uh, beautiful uh, Eucharistic uh, miracle of Orvieto with the with the blood on the cloth mm-hmm. after the breaking of the host I believe that's yeah the corporal yep. Yep. is yeah. hanging there yep. yeah, yeah it was uh, uh, from it was Peter of Prague a priest uh, on pilgrimage uh, in Balsano which is a town nearby and then uh, yeah he had kind of this extraordinary experience of uh of a struggle of of understanding the presence of christ in the eucharist and then the miracle was kind of there in that moment of doubt and then he brought it to the the papal court that was at orvieto at the time um to kind of confirm what was going on and they did an investigation and that's how again led up to our feast of corpus christi today and 
uh, yeah, the Rome pilgrimage is an awesome experience, and they get to. We always go to that city of Oviedo because of that deep history, and we're also there around the time of Corpus Christi. Um, not usually on the day. Uh, that's uh, kind of. I've been there once. It's kind of its own uh, unique, beautiful, you know, experience. But it's it's busy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's hard to bring 120 people into that <laughs> town. It's a mountain town. Um, but uh, but I love the pilgrimage uh, for, I mean, even just uh, what Jack and his classmates get to experience is they have to give up their phone for the two weeks that they're there. Uh, they can't bring it with them. Uh, and uh, I, you know, from the leader of this pilgrimage, I always see if, like, you know, there's a sacrifice they have to give in the beginning, but I think they get more in the end just because they can be present in a way that usually they're not. Right? They're yeah. not on their phone at meals. They get to talk. They have to kind of see the things firsthand, um, and there isn't the kind of distraction of life. But it's a it's a beautiful thing, and I think all of that and those little mini experiences that they have from the lives of the saints, the Eucharist, the life of the church, it kind of can sink in a little more. Yeah, I think at first, I mean, especially with like the longer meals in Italy, it was kind of difficult without my phone. Like not used to talking for like two hour meals without like being able to whip out my phone and check like what's going on on Snapchat or Instagram. But it really like by the end, like the personal connections that I made with everybody, like including like the, um, the chaperones and the priests and the students was truly incredible. Yeah. It's amazing how that, uh, that phone, I'm the same way. I'm 46 years old and I'm still like, okay, I'm talking to my wife at lunch and da, 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 da. I'm like, okay. And I pick up my phone. Okay. I don't need to do this, do I? But there's just this habit, kind of this reflex of every five minutes, I need to pick up my phone and look at it for some reason and see if it's still there. Yep. <laughs> it's a crazy thing. But yeah, that's the, the relationships. And that's actually the cool thing with Blessed Carlo Kudis and him building this website. But his focus was the relationship with Jesus and the Eucharist. Well, yeah. And I, was, I was watching this morning, they said that Blessed Carlo loved video games. But he distanced himself. He offered that, that, that love of video games up and only, and only would allow himself to play for so much time a week. I think it was like one hour what, a week. Yeah, and, which and is, that, that's something we could learn to do with our phones as well. <laughs> uh, offer that up and distance ourselves to, to, to put that phone on the counter when we get home and only go get it if someone calls us. You know? yeah. I hope my sons are listening right now because they're allowed <laughs> to play video games for two hours a week. So I guess we're going to have to make wow. an adjustment. <laughs> we, want, we, want, we want to be blessed Stefan and blessed Damien. There we do. Yes, we do. <laughs> Yeah, it's a it's a great thing, and you know, so bring this back to Blessed Carlo Acutis um, is in Assisi, and of course the story of Saint Francis of Assisi. Uh, what was one of the things that that struck me early on when I learned more about him is he was not actually a priest; he was never a priest. He was a deacon. Yeah. In fact, he didn't ever want to go to the next level of being a priest out of his, out of humility. Yeah, and actually, I mean, it's there's some of the the history on you know and why he became a deacon. Uh, there's still a couple opinions on that of, but a lot of it became, uh, you know, for you to found a religious order, for you to kind of hold property like churches, you had to be a cleric. And so um, there was kind of that sense of like, he never strove to kind of any ecclesial office or again, as, as a, a necessary path or, but he saw this unique vocation of living with a kind of this extreme abandonment to poverty, lady poverty, as he would call her um, as a way to draw close to Christ. And so, you see it in a kind of this extraordinary life uh, in his writings and journals and the tradition of the order of St. Francis that comes from uh, from that and remains, I think, imbued in the bones and the stone of, the, of Assisi. As you get there, it's just peaceful and it's centered around the celebration of that charism of Francis, of, of that self-admitment and poverty. 
Yeah, I think that one of the things when I was in Assisi, I've been there a few times, and it's like every time going on to the chapel, and I know it's not the same church, the same crucifix that was there that he that's, that spoke to him, um, you know, rebuild my church. And he physically rebuilds the church, and he's like, well, that's real nice, but rebuild my church. But it makes you think of Blessed Carlo Acutis, and right now with the Eucharistic revival, and that those words, rebuild my church. Uh, what, a, what a great connection there with rebuilding Christ's church through the, you know, a renewal, a revival of our belief of Jesus Christ present in the Eucharist. Yeah, and I think, um, again, looking at Carlos's life and his contribution, um, at 15 he recognized the importance of, of the connection of a relationship with Jesus Christ in the Eucharist. And even uh, before that, too, I mean, he was going to uh, confession and receiving the Eucharist almost daily. And yeah. like being able to do that and recognize that importance is... What, what, like, what Jack one of his quotes was, the more you receive the Eucharist, the more you uh, get to know Jesus are made more like him. Yeah. Like, so daily. I mean, yeah, he would do that. So, um, But I think in the 15, though, he used that knowledge for other people yeah. of like wanting to draw them in because this is the source of how our life is changed. And so on your point, Steve, about how to like begin this Eucharistic revival, it has to start with uh, recognition of the Eucharist of of again, Christ is the only thing who can change us, and he is the life of the church. Well, you talked earlier, Father, about uh, the miracle of Orvieto and the inner struggle that this priest is having uh, with with the Eucharistic presence, and 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 I would I would surmise we've all experienced that that at, that from time to time that wonder along with, with that doubt, and for Blessed Carla to take this on as a personal mission and and to 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 bring in the role of his Eucharistic ministries. Tell us a little bit about his his website and, and that. Um, well, I mean, I don't have a lot of experience with his website. I mean, I mean, I haven't like used it before, but I, all I know is that it's, um, like it brings together like the, and documents all the Eucharistic miracles and, um, makes it possible for everybody to make it available for everybody to know about them. Yeah. It's a, there, he needs listed there about 140 Eucharistic miracles that have happened across and within the history of the, of the, of the church. Um, they're not all. Uh, approved as or you know verified but what is interesting about the the miracles that are on there that they have done a number of scientific analysis of different ones like the one from lanciano a couple of them from poland one from argentina and what they found when they did the scientific analysis of that that it was all type ab blood it was all from the heart of a male and and usually from it was from a heart from i think it's the left ventricle uh, of a male and it has trauma Involved. All of them have these things in common with one another and with the scientific studies. Like, okay, there's a, there's a oneness to this, uh, this Eucharistic miracle. No, and I think, like, you look at, in the modern world, one of the struggles we have is kind of the fracturing of our mind of, like, the intellect and faith and, you know, reason and faith. Um, and I think we look at the church and uh, that's the beauty of, like, even Carlos' instinct of, like, let's gather the knowledge. Let's gather the knowledge because we're people who not only believe, but we, uh, we use our reason because it helps us in our belief. And, uh, and so those studies that are there, or even, like, the shot of turn as you, like, dive in, uh, which I think you got to see, Jack, when you were at the Santa Croce in Jerusalem, they have a whole kind of display on the shot of turn. And you can yeah. kind of see the display of that, of, like, this unique, this unique piece of history that's there. Uh, but, like, when they dive in the studies, it's... it's pretty again completely accurate to what it was what, like i know there's some conjecture out there on its veracity as a again a historical item but mm-hmm. when they study it it's just like no this would have been someone who would have gone through exactly what is described in the gospels of jesus's life 
and I love when what's when science does what science should do is you know observe the facts, observable facts, and then verify the facts. Um, it's amazing what comes from that. And of course, many of the studies on the Sirot of Turin have said that that his body passed through this cloth. And they have, you know, the, the different studies are showing, okay, look at this angle, and there's, there's numerous images of this same image within the image, because and it shows that his body went through, and that there was an amazing amount of light. I mean, it's just like, you had to have, you know, some atomic light in order to make this happen. Um, it's it's kind of like uh, the, the, even the image of Our Lady of Guadalupe. All these miracles right here. Um, and people say, why don't miracles happen anymore? They are. You're just not paying attention. I mean, actually, you don't have to go somewhere else to see the miracles. There are miracles helping, happening in each one of our lives if we would just stop in the present moment and stop and go, wait a minute, what is going on here? And so this is, I think, one of the more important things when thinking about Eucharistic miracles and thinking, oh, that Eucharistic miracle happened over there. Folks, there are Eucharistic miracles happening in your life at least every Sunday, but even every day even if you don't make it to the Eucharist, because Jesus is present in the Eucharist, that is Jesus. He's working in your life today. So if anything, if, any, if nothing else, stop and see what the Lord is doing in your life today, because there's a miracle happening right now. Um, and so, folks, again, if you're going to join us this weekend for the Eucharistic Conference, we'll be talking more about this. And, Jack, you're going to be there to present, so appreciate you saying yes to that. Yep, no problem. You'll do a great job. You'll also stop by and see the youth there who are going to be our Guardians of the Relics, um, and they're going to be with, uh, we have a reliquary there with uh, Carlo Acutis, and uh, a couple other relics there, Eucharistic relics, will be available um, this weekend, and a uh, great event. Yeah. So, well, thank you, gentlemen, for being here with us this hour. We sure appreciate that. Uh, next uh, up, we're going to talk with Mark Holcraft, Executive Director for Real Presence Radio. Last week was our pledge drive, and you can still, of course, call in and support Real Presence Radio at 877-795-0122. But he's going to give us an update on what happened last week. We'll be right back. Live, engaging, and local, this is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. 